welcome to Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Uh, Yes, even for you. You might just have to redefine what it looks like for yourself. I'm your host, fellow working mom and founder of Your Life Rocks, Jenny Stemmerman. Each week, I'll bring you practical, real-life tips to help you focus on the things that matter most in life and be the best version of yourself in every area that God has called you to. Ready to redefine what balance looks like for you and your life? Let's go. Hey there, welcome to the show. I am so excited that you're here to hang out with me today. You know, I realize that you probably have a gazillion podcasts and there's new ones popping up every single day. And I just want to thank you for spending time, your attention and listening here at Redefining Balance for Working Moms. Now, if you are newer to the show, I am so glad that you found us. Now, here at Redefining Balance, we definitely believe that balance is available for all of us. Yep, (laughs) even you, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I just don't think that that's the case for me, I promise you it is. You just might have to, you know, rethink about it in a different way. And one of the things that we always think about when we're thinking about balance is that balance is a verb. It's not like a destination of a place that you get to. It's not a noun. It is an active thing that you're doing each and every single day. And one of the things we do with this podcast is we highlight those different areas of life that you're trying to balance to help keep you in the right perspective, to keep all of those different life rocks that you're balancing within your peripheral vision. So you always know what's going on, what's coming up, what it is that you wanna be focusing in on. And today we are doing just that. We have a great guest coming on and we are talking all about your finances. Now, we talk a lot about budgeting and if you're looking for budgeting help, if you're looking for setting some financial goals help, I'm gonna link in the show notes to some other episodes that we've done in the past that I really think will probably help you out with where you are. But today we're taking it a step further. We're gonna be talking about investments, retirement, long-term goals, all of those things that quite honestly... (laughs) are a little overwhelming to talk about, but that's why we have a great financial expert with us today. Her name is Christina Gateri, and she has over 14 years of experience in financial assistance. And the thing I love so much about Christina is that she's super duper smart, very knowledgeable in this area, but she's also a young family. She, and that's her passion is helping other young families reach their financial goals, making sense of all of the craziness that's out there and really helping them develop a clear path forward so that they can be successful and, you know, enjoy the rest of life without always having to worry about where they're at with their finances. Now, in this episode, we're talking about things like how to balance debt versus your investments how to know who to hire as a financial planner to come alongside to help you figure all of this out. Plus, at the end, she shares three tips that are pure gold, simple things that you can honestly take action on and do right away to help you get forward towards your financial goals. I loved my conversation with Christina, and I know you are gonna get some really great tips from her as well. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Christina. Christina, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be learning from you today. I think that the things that you're going to share with us around our financial planning and financial resources is going to be amazing. But before we get to all of that, share with our listeners a little bit more about who you are. Sure. So I am a certified financial planner. I've been a financial advisor for going on, oh gosh, 12 years now. But I've been working in the financial industry since I graduated from college. And I started with a very large bank here in this country. And working at the bank taught me a lot about what I did and did not like about working with clients in a financial capacity. 
When I started with the bank, I was helping people with just basic checking and savings accounts. And what I found as I grew with the clientele there is that I liked handling more complex financial questions and and issues, which fits right into my personality. I graduated from college with a degree in economics. And what I love about economics is that you can be presented with one problem that has many different solutions. And you really have to figure out what the the results of those solutions will be depending on what you implement. So I feel financial planning is is the same way. You can have a lot of different avenues to choose, but you've got to look forward a little bit to say, okay, well, if we go that way, how is it going to turn out? And there's never a certainty to that. Sometimes you just have to, as my marketing guys say, throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that there was more certainty to that for sure. But unfortunately, there's not. It almost sounds like... um, like kind of putting together a puzzle together in a way, like kind of... It is. It out. And then there's there's always a missing piece that you find months later hiding under the couch. <laughs> there's the unexpected stuff that, you know what, you'll never fully be prepared for, but you can set yourself up today to at least be able to tackle it with a little bit less stress when those things pop up. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to ask you about that because that's actually a big a big thing for me personally is those those unknown things that I don't even know that I don't know. <laughs> right. That, that might be looming out there that I'm like, oh my goodness. But before we get into all of that, now you're also a mom too. So tell us a little I bit am. about your family. Sure. So I am married. I've known my husband for almost 19 years. We've got two little girls. We have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And the eight-year-old is becoming like this little lady. It's, it's just amazing. To, it's amazing <laughs> to see how, how different the ages are between six years old and eight years old. But yeah, we've got two little girls and a fish. We have a fish too. And they, that's our pet right now because the kids are keeping us busy enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is the first fish? It is the first fish in our house. Their grandma has had a fish several times, but this is the first one we've had on our own. <laughs> oh my goodness. So a little funny story. We had a fish. It was our first family pet as well. And it died one day while my son was at school, my older son. I think he was like, I don't know, first or second grade. And I was like, I am not ready to have a death talk <laughs> with him. So we went to the store while he was at school and bought a fish that looked identical to it and never told him. And he came home and he was like, the fish looks a little funny. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe he had a birthday and he's just looking a little older. (laughs) But it was like one of those moments. So whenever I hear anyone has a fish, I'm always like, does anyone else do that too? Just replace the fish versus having to have a funeral? Of course, maybe, (laughs) maybe, I don't know, skirting some of the issues that are important to address. We've since, you know, had fish funerals and frog funerals and guinea pig funerals and all of it. There's time in life for that. There is time. There's always time. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So with financial planning, now that you're no longer in a bank type of a situation, who do you help and kind of what does that look like for you now? Mm -hmm. So I, as it turns out, work with a lot of young families. You know, having started this practice 12 years ago, I didn't know what my group of clients was going to look like because at the time I was just trying to get out and speak to as many people as I could. And as it turns out, I am working with a lot of clients that are mirror images of my life. People that are juggling work and life and all of the decisions that go along with that. So right now in working with young families, I focus on budgeting, savings, how to manage their retirement accounts because these employers are famous for handing you a booklet saying, go ahead, go enroll in the 401k and good luck to you and not giving any more education than that. 
So I just try to help people with their day to day. And, uh, you know, when the water heater breaks or, you know, the kids want to play sports or whatever comes up, we've got the tools to handle all of those things. I love that. And I think that this is why I'm so excited to have you on the show because we've done, like I said before, so many different people having come on and talking about budgeting, which I feel like is so critical, important because so many of us become adults and we're like, oh gosh, there's a lot of money coming in and there's money coming out and I don't really know how to manage it all. And I think that that's an important skill to have. But once we kind of have some of those more basic things in place, then some of us, you know, you were right. Like we look at, we're enrolled in 401k, we have okay. a savings account. Like, isn't that enough? Isn't that where we, we, where we should be with financial planning? But I always feel like that there's more to the story that maybe yeah. we don't know. And so that's why I'm really excited to be learning from you today. So when we are talking about financial planning, what are kind of those steps in the progression so people can kind of understand where they kind of fit into the puzzle? Sure. There's, there's a couple of major areas that we look at, starting from a high level and then of course drilling down on a case-by-case basis. And we always look at cash flow, liabilities, what kind of debts are you carrying? Do you have adequate emergency cash reserve? But one of the reasons I became a certified financial planner is because that gives me the education to dive into some other areas with a bit of detail. I look at estate planning with my clients, especially clients who have blended families and need to ensure that maybe their stepchildren are taken care of or to ensure their children are taken care of because the step-parent wants them to be involved in their estate planning. So there's a lot of uh, ins and outs to that. I help my clients examine their insurance coverages. I, I take a look at things like homeowner's insurance and car insurance, although I don't set those coverages up personally, but I know enough to take a look at it and say, you know what, we should consult with someone about this. But of course, we also look at life insurance, disability income insurance. Nowadays, people have options both to purchase those things on their own and to take advantage of them through their employer. And I want to make sure they know what all of that terminology means. We look at cash flow investments. Oh my gosh, investments is like the gigantic elephant in the room because unless you want to enroll in college courses, there's no way for someone to really know it all in detail to do it perfectly on their own. So my job with my clients when it comes to investments is to help them understand what they have, understand how we might be able to optimize it. And I don't like to use the phrase how to make it better Because now we're at the point in financial planning where we're talking about all of the outside forces that we don't have control over and things like interest rates and inflation and what things cost for us to live and investment market performance are all things just beyond our control. So we've got to find a way to iron it out to make it work to the best of our ability. And I so appreciate that you said that because I think that that's what makes it so... I don't want to say scary, but kind of intimidating because so much of it is outside of our control. And it's one thing to feel like you have to know everything, which I feel like if you're naturally kind of geared towards knowing that those things, it comes easy for you. But then there's people like me that it just kind of, I feel like flows right past me and I want to know more and I want to understand it better, but it's just not something that comes natural to me. But then so much, like I said, so much of it is outside of our control. So it makes it really hard to kind of figure out like where we should be going. It does. And and when you balance that with everything else going on in your life, when it's overwhelming to the point where you want to learn about it, but just can't dedicate the time to it because there's other things that demand your time, it becomes even more intimidating because now you feel like there's nowhere to turn. I don't know how to learn about it. It doesn't 
jive with the way my mind works, how do I know I'm doing it well? That all of those things mixed together, believe it or not, can take a person in one of two directions. They'll either seek out professional advice or they'll be too embarrassed because they can't grasp these concepts that they won't do anything. And that's the scariest part is when people put their head in the sand and don't even ask the questions. Yeah, yeah. And because I, I think some of it too, kind of going along with it being intimidating, like everything you're saying is 100%. I totally agree. Because there are so many other demands with it being work and kids and things going on at school and then, you know, spouses, like the whole thing, right? Like we're all mm-hmm. trying to balance these things. But then, you know, you think, okay, I do want to get help with this. And I think most of my listeners kind of agree, like, we do want to get help. But how do you find that right person to help you? So can you talk with us a little bit? Because there are, you know, like, for example, for my 401k, I called Mm -hmm. to kind of move some things around there. And they have financial planners that they can talk to me about all of these different things. And then I meet someone else out at a networking event, and they can help me. So how do you know who it is that you're supposed to be working with with financial planners? Are they all kind of the same and you just pick one that you personally like? Or how do we best do that? I find that there's two aspects that need to come together to meet in the middle when you are looking for financial advice. The first is the logical aspect. And whenever you come across somebody's name that works in this industry, you can go online and look at their disciplinary record. Both FINRA, that's F-I-N-R-A, and the SEC have a database on their websites for you to search by name and see if that person has had any disciplinary action taken against them. So that's step one. You meet someone or you are referred to someone because of a friend of yours or whatever the case is. And you want to make sure right from the get-go that there's nothing behind the scenes that you should know about. The things that can show up on a disciplinary record can be something like especially given that we're only 10 years past the financial crisis in 2008, you might have financial advisors that filed bankruptcy or they renegotiated a debt. There could be things more severe such that there was a complaint filed against them from a client that may or may not have been settled out of arbitration. So there's a lot of different things you can look at just to get a sense of that person's character from the beginning. The second piece that mixes into that is sort of the emotional, how do you feel when you speak with them? Do you feel like you're being sold to or do you feel like this person is really listening to the questions that you have and the things that you want to accomplish? So there's a little bit of a gut check when you are speaking with financial professionals as well. You got to kind of meet in the middle. Does this person have the credentials and the the history really of being an honorable and well-educated person? And when you sit down and speak with them, how does it make you feel? That's really good. You know, and it's interesting when you mentioned point number one and kind of researching their background, never would that have crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. Never would that have crossed my mind that that's something that you should do. I mean, when you say it, it's like, well, yeah, that makes complete and total sense. Right. I never would have even have thought to done that before. Truthfully, I don't think I would have ever known it unless I worked in this industry either. Before I joined this industry, I had never heard of FINRA. I'd heard of the SEC. The SEC is what always makes it into the news reports. Mm-hmm. Now, both agencies do similar things, but for different types of financial advisors. So as you get into the weeds a little bit, what you'll find is that there are financial advisors that work for large corporations as W-2 employees. But then you'll also run into financial advisors that are affiliated with companies that simply provide them with compliance oversight and maybe some technology access, but they are 1099 contractors. And that is an oversimplification of the structure, but that's one way to help delineate if FINRA is their governing body or if the SEC is their governing body. 
Got it. So you really almost have to search both. Yes. No. Okay. Yes. Because using myself as an example, I at one time did work with a larger corporation. So you'll find a record for me in the FINRA database, but you'll see that my registration with FINRA ended in, I think it was 2017. So then if you search for me on the SEC website, you'll see my affiliation with the new company having picked up at that point and being active as of today. Got it. Okay. Okay. So this is really good. So when we're thinking about hiring that right person, I mean, because I feel like so much of when we're talking about financial planning, so much of it is personal. Yeah. When we're talking about where we are with our needs and with our goals and and what kind of that next step is. But I think we can all agree, right? Budgeting, paying down debt, investing in the future are kind of like those core pieces. Am I missing anything that we should be thinking about as far as like core pieces for financial planning? No, no, no. The core piece is it always starts with what you have available to you day to day. Because if your cash flow is not well organized and you're paying down a ton of debt, that's going to hinder trying to accomplish all the other things on the wish list. Right, right. So this is always my big question that I have. And, and I know I hear it all the time from our community as well. So obviously, you know, we, we do a lot of Dave Ramsey things or, mm-hmm. or talk to a lot of people who are Dave Ramsey trained and this being a Christian podcast. So we kind of think about those baby steps, right? And I think sometimes there are opportunities for us to kind of maybe go to the next step in the process. Like for example, starting to invest while we're still paying off debt. But then how do we know like how much we should be putting forward towards like retirement or doubling down on investments while we're still paying off debt? You know, I like to tackle this, I think a little bit differently than most. So many financial advisors are trained to try to look forward meaning to say, okay, let's, let's just use retirement for now to look forward and say, okay, if you are going to retire in 30 years, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? And we try to put a number to that. But the problem is over the next 30 years, even if we estimate inflation and all of those lovely factors, it's not going to be accurate a year from now. So I prefer to look at it from what are you working with today? As long as we have a solid plan to have that debt paid off, within whatever time frame we choose. If there is still some extra cash flow and you've got your emergency cash reserve and we've got the plan to pay down the debt, I like to look at it from a perspective of, okay, well then what else can we pull from what you're earning today? Because every little bit counts. Mm. Two major things that I look at when it comes to retirement and the plans that are offered through your 401k at a bare minimum, you've got to be contributing whatever your employer is willing to match. So then from there, maybe we challenge you a little bit more. And if your employer matches five, maybe we challenge you to put in seven. And a lot of it, you know, I mentioned earlier about economics. A lot of what I like to do with my clients is kind of trial and error. If we set up the increase in your 401k and we get back together two or three months later and you haven't noticed the change, then we did the right thing. If we get back together two or three months later and you say, you know, that extra one or 2% really tightened things up and I found I had to use the credit card to put gas in my car, then we dial it back. Hmm. But sometimes if we overthink it and don't try it, it holds us back. That's such great advice, I think, in so many other things other than just finances. (laughs) (laughs) Try it, test it, readjust it if you need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's so smart. And I think that that's where it sometimes gets so again, going back to the overwhelm with financial stuff is because it's it's not something we have time always to touch like every single week or even every single month to kind of see how is it going, how we should be maybe making those adjustments. So what kind of intervals should we be looking at that? I think quarterly 
is about as frequently as you want to make changes, provided there's no major market upsets. Now, the nature of the world that we live in, we've seen a lot of volatility. So it can be tough to not react emotionally. But I'd say every quarter, as long as you sit down, evaluate the performance, tap into your latest news articles from people in the industry that write papers or you know, are well-known for having great opinions about how the market is performing or how the economy is doing, sort of make your decisions from there, assuming you're not consulting with a professional. As a professional, I like to meet with clients quarterly. Whether or not we make any changes to our strategy depends. It depends on what's happened in their lives. It depends on how the markets are performing or if we have any new data to guide our decision-making. But as long as we have that touch every quarter, we know we're staying on track. That's great. And I think it's so reassuring just to know that someone... like Once you have picked who that financial person is and you're kind of on that cadence, you've kind of worked through the goals, it seems so reassuring just to know that you've got someone who's paying attention to all of that stuff for you who can then kind of guide you through that. Now, you mentioned 401ks. Mm -hmm. Now, when we're thinking about all of those goals in the future... What are those different goals that we should be thinking about? Because this is where I start to get down the bunny trail because I think about retirement and then I think about estate planning and I think about you know my kids and college education and taking care of my parents as they start to get more elderly. Like there's so many financial goals that I think I could have for the future. Mind like just personal, like where I want to travel or what the things that I want to do with my husband before we even hit retirement, you know, things that we want to do next year. So how do we kind of prioritize what those longer term or even shorter term things that we're saving for or investing for? Hey there, I hope that you are loving this conversation with Christina just as much as I am. But I had to interrupt for just a second because honestly, is that the stuff that she is sharing today is such great tips and inspiration that I know we can all take and run with and apply right to our life. And if you're looking for more tips and inspiration just like this for all eight areas of your life, whether you're looking for it for your faith, your marriage, parenting, career, home, health, finances like today, or you just want to have more friends and fun in your life, I highly encourage that you check out a free resource that we have inside the Your Life Rocks app. It is our monthly lifestyle guide. In there, you'll get monthly tips and inspiration on all eight areas of life, and it's all completely free to you. You can download the app right now while you're listening to this show from your app store. Just search Your Life Rocks. All right, now let's get back to my interview with Christina. So how do we kind of prioritize what those longer term or even shorter term things that we're saving for or investing for? Mm Mm-hmm. I usually tackle this by asking where you want to have choices. So when it comes to retirement, are you comfortable with being restricted to your income? Maybe not being able to take that two-week trip to Europe, but being able to spend two weeks in Maine going camping. I'm in New England, so my default is always to say Maine. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a matter of having choices. The same thing with long-term care, whether it be for your parents, which this is sort of in the realm of their own planning, or even for yourselves. What do you want to set up so that your children do or do not help care for you in your old age? There are ways to address planning for long-term care that give you choices so that you are not relegated to a Medicaid bed in a subpar nursing facility. It's just about, okay, if we're going to write all these things down on the wish list or on the goals list, where are you comfortable making the sacrifice? And that goes closer to the bottom of the list. Where do you want to ensure that you are going to have choices when faced with that situation? 
that ends up closer to the top. Got it. Okay. That I love that. I think that that really helps because it does, again, I mean, it, it, there's so many different things. Once you start thinking about all of the doomsday <laughs> things yeah. that could happen that you need to have financial yeah. funds for, it can get like a little bit insane and a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're thinking about all of these different things, we've prioritized, and I love the question about where do you want to have your choices? What are our options? For saving for these these different kind of things, because I you know you yeah. hear about like all of these different tax programs and things like that for saving for college, and then of course mm-hmm. there's 401k and there's CDs and like there just seems like there's like a ton of different things that you could be doing. There is, and each one of your goals is going to have a particular vehicle that works best for it. I'm actually going to tackle saving for college first because my opinion, and thankfully I'm not alone in this is that saving for your children to go to college is one of the things that should end up a little bit lower on your priority list. There are vehicles out there that can make it advantageous tax-wise to save for your children's education. But I think because student loans have become this, this hot topic of conversation, we as parents raising young children are hesitant to put them in a situation where they're going to need to borrow money. But some of us are doing it to the detriment of our own future. So there's a balance to be identified there in how much of our own resources that might deplete the choices we have later in life when we are less able to earn the income that we're earning now, how much of that do we want to direct toward paying for education? Because that landscape may change quite a bit over the course of the next handful of years. So here's a question I have about that. Because you know you hear about so much about putting money aside and, and like you said, the idea of all of the loans that are out there is kind of scary as a parent. But then I always think, well, what if my son wants to become like an electrician or something that's not a four-year degree? Do I just lose that money that goes into that account? No, you don't. Oh, okay. Now, the money in the account, let's let's just say it's a 529 college savings plan. It's the most well-known college savings plan. You can use that money for any level of education, actually, because that was a change made just in the last uh, few years under the Trump administration. They sort of expanded the uses for those 529s. So as long as it's some sort of education, it can be used for him to go to trade school. Oh, okay. The other option is if you have another child or a niece or nephew, someone within your sort of immediate family, you can actually change the beneficiary on that account to be used for their benefit. So if your son only uses a portion of it and there's some left over, you can change the beneficiary to benefit someone else in your family. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. But I do also, I love that you talk about putting that down a little bit more on the Mm -hmm. priority list and putting some other things up there first. I think that that makes it a little easier to breathe. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. You 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 hear people talk about like, oh, you only have X amount of summers left to make memories with your kids. And here I am (laughs) sitting here thinking like, I only have X amount of years before I have to start paying for college. Right. And it can get a little bit intense. So I love to hear you say that. Sure. So some of the other vehicles that we can talk about as far as how they um, can address each of your goals, the next one that is relatively easy to implement would be, and you mentioned CDs at the bank. I always think about CDs or even better yet nowadays, online savings accounts are paying not terrible, I won't say great, but I'll say not terrible interest rates on cash. So you've got your emergency cash reserve, which the rule is between three and six months of your fixed expenses. But you're not going to keep six months of fixed expenses sitting in your savings account at your local bank paying one-tenth of 1% in interest. So what you do is you break it into three chunks. 
and you take one chunk and maybe you open a CD at the bank, a six or a 12 month CD, nothing much more than that. And then you take another chunk and maybe you put it into one of these online savings accounts that I looked at them just the other day or some of them paying over 2% for savings accounts. So there's not even an early withdrawal penalty. So you find ways to sort of break apart that emergency cash reserve such that you've got a chunk of it that you can go to the ATM if there's an emergency. You've got another chunk of it that may take a day or two to transfer back to your checking, but it's available and it's earning a better interest rate. And then you've got that third piece of it that hopefully you won't blow through those first two chunks before you that CD comes due in a year. And at least that one will pay even better of an interest rate out of all the three of them. That right there is gold. Just, just <laughs> that right there. Because I have to be honest, we have our reserve fund mm-hmm. um, and it's just sitting in our bank savings account that's tied. Yeah, it's just sitting there. Never even thought about splitting it up in those different ways. So what is an online savings account and why is that different than like a Bank of America or Chase or just a regular savings account mm-hmm. that you would have? So used to be up until recently that the online savings accounts were... I think the first one that I ever ran into was Ally Bank. Now, Ally Bank is owned by General Motors, effectively. And what they realized is that they could offer retail customers a way to have a bank account, but they didn't have the overhead of having the brick and mortar bank branches. So because of the lower overhead, they're able to offer accounts with no monthly maintenance fees, no minimum balance requirements, no fee to transfer money back and forth, and pay a pretty decent interest rate. I think these online savings accounts, combined with having a very low interest rate environment coming out of the financial crisis where banks were able to borrow money from the government at very, very low rates, and then turn around and be able to lend it at very, very high rates, put banks in a position to pay a little bit better on these savings accounts in combination with them not having as much overhead to deal with. Nowadays, my favorite website is bankrate.com. It's a, a website that you can go to to find all kinds of things like rates on savings accounts, rates on mortgages, going CD rates, and it scans banks throughout the country. So when you look at the online savings accounts that Bankrate lists, you start to see names that you recognize. You see the big names like Citi and Goldman Sachs is in there, and I forget a few others. But then you also start to see some of the lesser known banks. Live Oak Bank is one I noticed the other day. I had always run into Live Oak because they sold mortgages. Well, they found an opportunity to offer savings accounts as well. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're not dealing with feet on the ground. It's all online. Got it. But it's all insured and like completely safe. You still get the same FDIC insurance, the same protections as if you were to walk into a Bank of America. That is incredible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible. Well, that like right there, you just already have like rocked my world. (laughs) (laughs) And that one little piece right there, already some action items that I need to be taking from our conversation. So as we kind of think about those other goals, and we talked about like 401ks and Mm -hmm. all of those things, Is it important as you leave different companies to kind of roll those 401ks into one? Or is it okay to kind of just leave them in the different mutual funds? I usually base that on how old you are. And I say that because the IRS has a little loophole that very few people know about. And I actually only learned about it as I was studying for my CFP. If you are 55 years old and you leave your employer, the IRS will consider it an early retirement And they will allow you to withdraw money from your 401k and not make you pay the 10% penalty. You'll still have to pay income tax, but that penalty is waived. So that is one instance where I'd say, if you're 55, do not roll that 401k. No matter how 
enticing it is to have an expanded amount of investment options in an IRA versus whatever small pool you may have to choose from in that 401. If there is any chance that you'll need to take a withdrawal between ages 55 and 59 and a half, which is when the IRS traditionally waives that penalty, you don't want to move the account. Beyond that, if you're younger than 55 or if you're older than 59 and a half, exploring rolling it into an IRA is something that should seriously be considered because like I mentioned a minute ago, you will have more investment options to choose from. And depending on what your goals are, what the markets are doing at that time, it might be a welcome change to have more opportunity to diversify that portfolio because 401ks are known for having either just the target retirement funds, which manage the the risk tolerance for you, or a very small pool of investments that you can mix together on your own to create a balanced portfolio. That's incredible. So when we're thinking about some of these these longer-term goals, these different things that we're shooting for, is IRAs and, and is that kind of the, the main vehicle that we want to be using? Or are there other vehicles that we should be considering as well? That depends on if you are a small business owner or if you are a W-2 employee for a larger corporation. Let's assume you work for a company and you are a W-2 employee. You have your 401k that's going to have the opportunity for you to contribute. If you're over 50, you can put away about $25,000 a year. If you're under 50, you can put away $19,000 a year. That's a really, really good amount of money that can be put away every year. Versus opening an IRA on your own and just doing a little bit extra retirement savings. If you earn too high of an income, you would not be allowed to contribute directly to a Roth IRA, nor would you be allowed to deduct a contribution to a traditional IRA. So that's getting into the weeds on that a little bit. So there's certain stipulations. If you earn under a certain threshold of income, you can contribute to a 401k and still contribute to an IRA on your own. But those would be the two main vehicles if you're a W-2 employee. If you are a small business owner and you have no other employees, a SEP IRA is a really great tool. It stands for Simplified Employee Pension. It's meant to give that business owner the opportunity to put away a good amount of money for their own retirement. I say it's best if they don't have any other employees because the stipulation is whatever you put away for yourself, you have to put the same amount away for other employees. But it's got a really high contribution limit. You can put away over $50,000. I think it's $52,000 a year now or up to 25% of your compensation. So the idea there is, again, it's got much higher contribution limits than if you were to just go to an investment company and open your own IRA, your own Roth or your own traditional IRA. That's amazing. And I think just in that answer right there, Christina, you built the case for why we need to have financial advisors. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is where we get stuck sometimes is because it's like, it is a lot to be able yeah. to to kind of manage through all of these different things. And so I, I highly encourage everyone who's like me <laughs> to go and find someone like Christina who can help them. So one of the questions I have for you, Christina, before mm-hmm. I, I ask you for your, like your final three tips that you have for us around financial planning, give us some tips on how we can stay excited or stay focused on what those goals are that we're working for. Because for those of us like me that this does not come easy for and it's honestly mm-hmm. a chore like i know it's worth it just like you know cleaning the toilets are worth it versus <laughs> not but it's still a chore so how can we keep this exciting you know what you've got to be able to celebrate the small successes you do if you are struggling with paying off a credit card that's just been nagging at you for years and you managed to not use the credit card for like 2 months in a row 
celebrate that. Don't just focus on, oh, that balance is still so high. I want to get rid of it. Focus on what you are able to change in a small amount of time. If you bumped your 401k contribution from 10 to 11%, celebrate it because that's that little bit more that you were doing than you were doing before. And you've just, you got to take a moment and appreciate it. Because if you don't pat yourself on the back once in a while, it does become more burdensome and more of a chore than it should be. You can have some fun with it. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of celebrating all those things. I think we can all do a little bit more celebrating in life for all of the things that we're doing and going through and conquering. I think it's incredible. Now, I know that you had some three general, really good tips, actually, in helping us making sure that we are financially healthy. So share with us what some of those tips are. Yeah, definitely. There's one that I share with everybody because we don't think about these things. And it's about our credit cards. There's two things I want everybody to do when it comes to their credit cards. First of all, if you are approved for a limit that makes you nervous, like if you were to go out and spend all of that money and it would be challenging to pay it back, then you've got to call the credit card company and ask them to lower your limit. Put it down to a level that you'd be comfortable spending and having to pay back. But the other thing that you need to do when you're on the phone with the credit card company is tell them not to increase your limit unless you specifically ask for it. If anyone's ever read their credit report, there's a section on there that's uh, labeled promotional inquiries. And you'll see that any credit card companies that want to send you a promotion or even credit card companies that you already have an account with, they'll hit it once in a while to see how you're doing, make sure you're still in good standing. And that's the information they use to increase your limit. But the other thing that they'll do is if you get close to hitting the limit on your card, they'll increase it for you because they want you to continue spending. So maintain control over those credit card spending limits and don't let them increase it unless you call and ask them to. I love this tip so much because you know when you are trying to buy a house or you're doing something else that involves your credit, and then you're, someone messes with your credit, it's always like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? <laughs> Things are changing and I don't really know what's happening. And it can really kind of throw you for a tailspin. So I love that tip for sure. Really kind of puts you back in the driver's seat. All right, what's your tip number two? Okay, tip number two actually relates closely to the way we use 401ks and that's to have some sort of automatic savings account. There isn't a bank or a credit union left in this country that doesn't have a really good online banking system. You can go to the transfer tab and you can set up a recurring transfer, even if it's you know $50 a paycheck to go into your savings account. If you wait for yourself to sit down and make a transfer from checking to savings account, you're going to talk yourself out of it. There's going to be something that you're either planning for or something that's going to come up and you're not going to make that transfer. But if you can do it in little drips over time, you don't notice it as much. No different than the way we contribute to 401ks. You can do that with your checking and savings account. So I'm a big fan of the online banking automatic transfers. Because then the other thing is if you end up in a pinch and you do need to draw from savings, it's no more than a click away. You log back in, you put it right back in your checking account. I love that one because it's almost like playing a game with yourself. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which does make it more enjoyable. All Mm -hmm. right, number three. So number three, I, I mentioned it earlier to make sure you're at least taking advantage of the match from your employer on your retirement plan, on your 401k. But actually, as we were talking and going through the other two, I thought of another one, and it's read your credit report. Our government doesn't give us much for free, (laughs) and we know we pay for it somewhere. But if you visit ftc.gov, that's foxtrottangocharlie.gov, it's the Federal Trade Commission website, and you can find the link there to get your free annual credit report. You can pull your report from each of the three credit bureaus once a year for free. 
And there's no reason why we can't sit down, take five minutes to look through that report, make sure there's nothing there that we don't recognize or something there that you know you paid, but you were reported. Who knows what could be on there? It's important to know what's there. And you can pull one report from one bureau every four months and get yourself in a nice rotation of keeping an eye on it. I love that. I love that so much. And you know, one of the things that my husband and I did for ourselves, gosh, I don't even know when we started doing this, but it's been a while, but we started Mm -hmm. using, is it Credit Karma? Is that the Mm -hmm. name of the company? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, because like I said, this is not fun stuff for me, but they Mm -hmm. make it fun. Like whenever we pay off a debt or we've taken down a balance, you get like a congratulatory email saying, nice Mm -hmm. job, you brought down your debt. Like it makes it fun, those little celebrations. And we always know now what's going on with our, mm-hmm. with our credit report. And we can see our scores every single month. And it's see just incredible. Scores. So keep that in mind, though. I love Credit Karma. I'm a big fan. But I love it in conjunction with actually reading your report. Because Credit Karma will give you... They'll show you what's good, what's bad. I love the section they have where the, the things are in red, yellow, and green. Those sort of things that they pull from your credit report, you know, if it's working well for you or if it's not working well for you. But sometimes it's not updated as frequently as I'd like it to see it updated. It doesn't report nearly as often. Here's the other thing to keep in mind also with their credit score. Okay. They use a system called Vantage Score 2.0 to calculate your score. Okay. It's not the same as your FICO score. FICO is a company called the Fair Isaac Corporation. FICO is where financial institutions will go if they are trying to approve you for credit. And what I have found over the last several years, and I personally am an avid Credit Karma checker also, because I, I, it is easy <laughs> and it's, it's easy to understand. And it's fun to look at. But you'll find if you go apply for a mortgage or if you go try to buy a car, that your FICO score could be lower and sometimes oh. over 30 points lower than what you are seeing on Credit Karma. Wow, that's a big that difference. Mm-hmm. It's because it's two different companies taking the literature from your credit report and translating it to a number. Credit Karma uses Vantage Score. The financial institutions are going to turn to FICO. Got it. Very good to know. Very good. See, this is why, again, we need people like you in our corner <laughs> to make sure we don't just have blinders on because we do get so busy just going through life and doing all of the things that we sometimes mm-hmm. forget to to check in on these things that are really, really important. Well, Christina, I just want to thank you so much. This has been just a breath of wisdom that you've shared with us all today. I know I've got like a whole page (laughs) of notes. I'm sure our listeners do as well. Now, where can people learn more about you? And can they work with you even if they're not on the East Coast of the United States? Of course. I love the virtual world we live in. I definitely do video conferences and telephone calls. But if you are in New England or in the Rhode Island, Massachusetts area, you're welcome to visit my office. You can find my website. It's called MeNextYear.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Christina Gatteri CFP. And you can find my blogs and some tips that I have, some case studies that I've worked on and, and schedule some time. We can talk about your individual situation and see what's going on, see how we can get you to move along to discover your me next year. <laughs> I love that. I love and I love all of the great content that you have on your website because it's not just about financial planning. Mm-hmm. It's really about the whole life and our whole picture of everything that we're working towards. So again, thank you so much. I highly recommend everyone go and check you out. Go to your website, follow her on social media because this is all just pure gold. So thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks, Jenny. Isn't Christina just brilliant? I don't know. Just when I was done with my conversation with her, 
I was like, Lord, thank you for making people who are smarter than me in areas that I need to have in my life. I mean, she is truly gifted at the knowledge and what she does when it comes to helping people with financial planning. And being that she is a young mom herself, like she totally gets where we are in trying to juggle all of the other things. Now, as I was preparing for this episode, you guys, I went and searching for Bible verses because I know that there are Bible verses that talk about surrounding ourselves with wisdom and getting advice and counsel from other people. And you know why I thought there's got to be a Bible verse on this. I know I've read it before because there are a ton of them. I mean, if you do a search on Bible verses that talk about this kind of a thing, there are a ton that come up, a whole long list from Proverbs, Psalms, Timothy, 1 Kings, James, 1 Corinthians, Hebrews. I mean, you name it, it is all over in the Word of God. And Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, has a number of verses that basically say the same thing about having wise guidance, about having counsel, about listening to advice and instruction. It is all over in the Word of God. And that is why we need people like Christina in our lives because they know way more than we do about these things, and we can really use their giftings in our life. Now, you might have heard me say during the interview with Christina that sometimes the financial area of life is one that I kind of want to escape from and not necessarily deal with. And I think we all have those areas of life that we, maybe we deal with them, but we don't always do a deep dive or we don't go after the things that we want to in our life in that particular area. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about next week. So make sure you hit subscribe so you do not miss it. And until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com.